Okay, hello and welcome to the latest Leash Today Love Leash podcast. Um, we're a little bit like the Late Late Show, we took a break for the summer, but we're back today and we have a special interview with Blaze Brosnan. Uh, now, Blaze isn't a leashman, but he's going to be, he has been here on, on many occasions and, and from September the 4th, he's again running his owner-manager development programme in association with the local enterprise office here in Leash and Offaly. Um, Blaze, uh, I'm sure a lot of business owners would have come across some of your work. Uh, you're also, as well as being a, a consultant, um and in, in this space you're also a published author and two of your books are, are i'm very fond of both of them i dare you win the debate in your own head is one and jack business lessons from life life lessons from business are two of your books that i often refer to and uh, you might just give us a little bit of your own brief background and your own experience before we chat about what what you'll be covering on the course okay yeah well you probably got it from my accent i'm a okay, man uh but uh, living in wexford for in excess of 40 years now um, I come from a business background. My parents were in business, my grandparents were in business, and then as far as I know, my great-grandparents were in business. So it was part of the DNA, I suppose, as we grew up, you know, uh, we were always stuck in the business. And you, you get into the habit and kind of the way of uh, how business operate, uh, the pluses and the minuses of it and that. Uh, my mother, uh, like a lot of uh, women in the West of Ireland at that particular stage, felt that education was very important. And we were all, uh, I would say, pressurised. I was definitely pressurised because I didn't really want to go down the educational route. But I was pressurised to go and do my leaving cert and all that kind of stuff at the time, right? I would have preferred to be doing things rather than studying. But I played with the football and things like that. And we got through the system. And um, eventually I went off uh, to saw my wild oats, I suppose, in the UK and in American places like that, and came back eventually. Uh, I met a guy, uh, and we all meet a guy somewhere or a person along the way who can have a big influence in our lives, right? And I remember walking on the buildings in uh, with Murphy's in London, and I was a green young fella, really, driving a jackhammer. And there was a guy next to me from Wicklow. And he was an oldish guy. Uh, well, I thought he was old at the time. He was probably about 50. Uh, and uh, he, uh, I got, you know, you're walking there near this guy every day. And we got friendly. And uh, he saw something in me. And he didn't want me to go down the same route as he went. Because he was, he had a drink problem like a, a lot of the expats at the time. He had, uh, his marriage was broken up. He had run away from a dispute over a farm in Wicklow. And he, he was pretty well uh, homeless, near enough. He was walking day by day or whatever. But there was something about him. He didn't want me to finish up like him. And he insisted that I come back to Ireland, come home and go back to college. And of all the people I've ever met, that guy had probably a bigger influence in my life than anybody I ever met. And he, you know, we often tend, tend to think of people having influence, they're big people or they're very important people or whatever. But sometimes we'll meet someone who can be very influential uh, in relation to our journey if they hit it at the right time. So I would consider him very, very important. and. You mentioned the word, the word, uh, the book Jack. There, he's actually there's about two paragraphs in the book. There, a guy called Jimmy. That's who Jimmy was. Yeah. You 
And, and there's another line in, in that book, like we are all influenced by role models and we in turn become role models for others. And I suppose it's something you don't think about. Like you've influenced a lot of people in time. And I often quote the great Pat Critchley. You might remember Pat Critchley playing Hurling. And he, yeah. actually, uh, he refer- he, Pat is a big, big in the coaching space, which is very similar uh, principles to, to, yes, to, to business consultation. But he often has a line about uh, someone on a beach somewhere in America and there was a whole lot of crabs washed up, thousands of them. And a guy was, throwing them back out into the sea and someone comes, what are you doing? You can't save someone. He goes, I saved that one, didn't I? So you you, you don't know where, where you made make the difference. But you you went back to education, which in, in that era was a big thing, uh, Blaze. It was, yeah. And, uh, but I suppose I was a couple of years older than uh, the my colleagues in college. And because you're a bit older, you're able to hack it through fairly easy, you know? Yeah. And um, the... Um, and then when we came out of college uh, back in the late late 60s, early 70s or whatever, Ireland was going through a bad old patch at that stage, right? And um, most of uh, the graduates from my class uh, would have immigrated. But I didn't immigrate because uh, uh, I had specialised in economics, agricultural economics. And the reason I specialised in agricultural economics at the time was because Ireland was about to join the EEC in 1973, and economics was considered kind of a sexy new subject. I didn't know anything about economics at the time, but I did it anyway. And uh, there were seven of us graduated uh, because we specialised in economics, agricultural economics. And because we were a small group, I suppose, and considered kind of specialist, we all got what was supposed to be good jobs straight out of college, uh, whereas a lot of our colleagues had to immigrate or whatever. And that was both a good and a bad thing, I think, in lots of ways, you know. Yeah. You, you rose, you, were you CEO of a company at the age of 24? Was, yeah, 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 I was, after community college, I got a job with uh, Golden Vale in kind of management role straight out of college, which was very unusual at the time. And within two years, then I was headhunted to come to Wexford as chief executive of Wexford Farmers Co-op, and I was chief executive there for twenty-one years. And did you enjoy your working career? Like, because that you were straight yeah. in the, the, the corporate, the corporate end quite quickly. Uh, yeah, you know, there were exciting times because we grew the business from about a million it was at the time I joined to about ninety million over that period of time, right? So there was a lot of things. It was an exciting time to be involved. But again, I remember being at a board meeting uh, one night, uh, one one evening. uh, I was probably there about 15 or 16 years at the time. And I just looked around the board uh, table and said, do I really want to be doing this for the next 25 or 30 years? And I decided then then that I didn't. Now, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do, uh, which is part of uh, the stimulus change yeah. and uh, so we set up our own uh, consultancy business uh, back in 79 uh, and it evolved different to the way we had planned it uh, but that's what business is about you know you take opportunities as they arise and one of the things that evolved is the management development program that we're talking about this morning um, you know Sean Maiden uh, who was the first chief executive of the Enterprise Board in Wexford, he contacted me one day to see was there any program out there suitable for owner-managers. And I'd been doing quite a bit of work with the IMI at the time. And uh, I said, Sean, I don't know. I'll have a look the next time I'm up at the IMI to see if there's anything. 
And if you can imagine back that period, you know, um, corporate or business uh, education was very much at the, uh, an infancy kind of phase, really. And I came back to Sean, I said, there isn't. And he said, will you do something? I have a group of 10 owner managers there. Will you do something with them? And I said, what do they want? He said, I don't know, but will you go and meet them? So I met them uh, in a hotel here in Wexford uh, one night, and I didn't know what they wanted. They didn't know what they wanted, but they twisted my arm and I'd see if I'd do something for them. And I suppose like any good teacher, uh, I stayed about a page ahead of them. Yeah. And I learned more off them than they learned off me, probably. But uh, thinking it was a once-off program, you know. Yeah. And the following September, Sean came back to me and said, would you run that again? I have another group there. And I said, sure, might as well. Uh, we put in a bit of work to get the first program together. And the program that's starting now on the 4th of September in um, Tullamore is actually, that's where that program started from nearly 30 years ago. So there's about 4,000 owner-managers have done the program. No, it's not the same program, of course. It evolves, but uh, that's where it started from. Yeah. And did, did you give up your job in Wexford Creamery to, to did, set up a, your consultancy business? Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. 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 And that's something you cover in your book. Like, change isn't easy. People don't yeah. like change. No. <laughs> and I suppose uh, I went through a similar uh, thing myself. I give up, as some people would say, a good job to set up, please, today. And, and I remember the line someone said, would you be afraid of giving up your good job? And I said, I am. The more afraid of staying where I am. And yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that's something that type of sentiment is something you come across a lot when people go down that particular route. Yeah, I remember having uh, I went back to do my masters then after about twenty years, and I remember having a professor in Trinity, Jeff McKechnie. He's the man is dead now, but yeah. I I can only remember two things he ever told us. But in my view, it was still worthwhile to be there for a couple of years yeah. just to get two learning points, and what one of them was, uh, he said. In life and in business, everything has a price. There's a price for doing and there's a price for not doing, but it's never neutral. Yeah. Now, we're kind of conditioned as we grow up to understand the price of doing something. We are not as well conditioned, I think, to understand the price for not doing something. So if, you, if I take your scenario there, right, the price of taking on leash uh, today uh, and the program and that, which was quite new to you at the time, that was that was the price to take it on. But if you didn't take it on, look at the opportunity cost you'd have missed. Yeah, yeah, no, it's off. It, 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 it's it's huge, and it's something that you cover in your book as well. Like, yeah. um, you know, and there's a couple of things. I'm just going to throw some of the points that that I'm, okay. I'm, re I'm rereading the, your book, Jack. As I said, uh, business lessons from life, life lessons from business, um. You know, the gates of change can only be opened from the inside. So loads of people can have great ideas, but unless it's it's your own idea, I suppose, you're not going to drive it forward. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, winning that debate in our own head is the big issue, really, right? Because if we can win it in our head, we can win it on the ground. But, and there's always a but of these things, are we prepared to pay the price to do it? Yeah. And the price often is not about money, it's about doing uncomfortable things. And it's the uncomfortable things that stop, stop us actually moving forward. And you know, the problem we were talking about that this morning, the theme of the program really is, can we become more comfortable at doing uncomfortable things?
Yeah. As another point you often make, stretching yourself, you always people always have to be stretched. Um, yeah. or be what, what certain um. I'm trying to find that particular quote on it, but 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 you know what I mean. Like you 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 repeat that point regularly. Like be comfortable yeah, yeah. being stretched. Yeah, like it's like building muscle, or getting fit, or anything like that. Uh, you know, if you want to get fit and build muscle, you have to stretch it. You have to. There has to be a little bit of pain, but that's the price you're paying to build the muscle. Now it's the same way to become a better business person. You, we have to be prepared to build the capacity. And by building the capacity, we do need to do some uncomfortable things. We need to identify the issues that are holding us back. And that's very much what the program is about, is trying to help people to A, identify what are the issues, what are the opportunities, where are the choke points. And secondly, having identified them, what's the best way about putting an action plan in place in order to uh, get through it. And it's not... You know, it's not an exact science. You're dealing with people. Uh, but I believe most of us are only tipping at our potential. I think we all have far more potential than we actually ever uh, kind of uh, adjudicate ourselves on, you know? I just want to throw, throw a few. Um, lukewarm is displeasing to the palate. I like that one as well. I suppose if you're not passionate about something, you know... It won't happen. Yeah. You know, and... Um, you know, another way of describing that is, you know, foreplay, you can never have a baby based on that. You, know? Uh, you know, you have to go for the, and the same way in business. A lot of people are playing around with business. They're not actually going for the kill. And, you know, it's always at that last bit, that's where the gain is to be got, right? Like if you look at any business around the shall awfully that today, right? Any the small, medium type business. I would say 80% of them are just about surviving. Okay? And the reason that they're only surviving is they're getting to a certain point where they're paying the bills. And that's great. But it's the point beyond that that they're creating wealth for themselves. And I think that, uh, and I come across it all the time, plenty of owner managers who have been 20 or 30 years in business, they've paid the bills pretty well along the way. But they finish up with very little wealth for themselves. And that's a pity. And there's no need for it, in my view. What do you think is holding most businesses back then? I think in their own head, you know, when I ask a business person uh, how the business is, ah, we're paying the bills. That's the, that's the measurement they have in their head is, ah, we're able to pay the bills. That's very important. But that's only step one. It's the bit beyond that. And it's kind of understanding the difference between wealth and income. See, some people think they're wealthy because they have a few bob in their pocket. But that's not wealth. Wealth is, uh, you know, you'll never earn wealth. Wealth comes from unearned leverage within the business in some shape or form. Explain that one a bit more to me. You know, for argument's sake, quite a few uh, owner-managers, their business model is about selling time, for argument's sake. You know, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a, a plasterer, whether it's a bricky or whatever, so much power or whatever, right? Now, there's a limit to the number of hours that can be worked and sold and paid for. Now, that, that will you'll never get rich selling time just like that. It's the outcome of the, of the activity. 
is there something, is there some leverage possibility in there? In other words, say if you're a plasterer, can you have three other plasterers with you that you become the kind of the contractor for argument's sake? So they're making some money for you. In other words, they are le- you're leveraging your skill through them and getting paid for it. You know, and I think uh, I think not enough owner managers start to think like that. You have another quote. Um, uh, Saturate is high enough to inspire you, but low enough to encourage you. Now, is that some people would be sort of said like always aim high, and, and you are saying that, but there's there is a sort of caveat on that on that point. Yeah, well, if the gap is too big between where you are and where what your aspiration is, right? That, that can become self-defeating in its own right. So my view, I'm a great believer in doing things in stages. It's very important to have a vision about the future, but you need to break that vision down to what can I do in the next six months or the next 12 months and let the next 12 months be phase one of that journey. Because you have to you have to build capacity. It's like getting uh, fit for a match or hurling a football match, right? You can go out and perform on day one. You have to build up capacity and stamina and technique and that. And you do that bit by bit by bit, you know? And uh, But it needs to be guided by that vision about what you're trying to create into the future, you know? Um, be slow to go against your gut is another one you have. You, you learned that, that the hard way, did you? Yeah, I did. Uh, and... Uh, uh, down in Kerry, we live by our gut a lot. We have to, uh, you know, and uh, the, but invariably you'll find that uh, your gut is right 92% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Any time any of your listeners there make a decision and go against our gut, there's a fair chance that it hasn't got right. Okay. Yeah. And that really sickens people. It does. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's why. Okay, we we we're all influenced by various people and events and all of that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, we have to make a judgment call based on that influence about what am I going to do here? Am I going to take responsibility for my future going forward? And it isn't about turning oneself inside out or whatever, right? But small changes. Uh, they build, you know, they build off each other. Little successes build off each other. So if you take a bite and digest it, then you're fitter to take a bigger bite. In other words, how would you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And the same way, the elephant in our business is if we want to get our business as a vehicle to create wealth for ourselves going forward. No, we'll all have different definitions of what wealth uh, and the extent of wealth should be, right? But I think a business should do more for us than just pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very good, very good way of looking at it. There's another one, I suppose, and I'd say every single business owner will relate to this one, no matter how big or small they are. We all have scarce resource resources relative to what we need to achieve our objectives. So everyone thinks they're short on staff, short on money, short on time. And I suppose what you try and teach on the course, like I know time management is one of the one of the sort of the modules or, or sessions that you cover. But I suppose it's trying to get more out of what we actually do have. It is, yeah. And uh, like there's different ways of skinning the cat, you know. And um, like I'm involved in a number of businesses as well, other than uh, doing these programs and that, right? And one of the businesses, I've, I, we have a board meeting there at 11 o'clock now today, uh, and 
I've been with that business now for maybe 25 or 30 years at this stage or whatever, right? But they changed that business model completely about 10 or 15 years ago. In other words, uh, they had everybody on the payroll in the initial 20 years of their existence. Today, they, their turnover would be 10 times greater than it was then, maybe more. And they have only 25% of the payroll that they had then. The, you know, it's the sub, the, 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 the business model is based on specialist subcontractors. So they became a project management type of company, mm -hmm. as you see. So there's different ways of skinning the cat, you know. And um, the other thing is, you know, you'll often hear the saying, every day is a school day. You know, nobody, I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. But the people that tend to be more successful, they allow themselves and they're hungry for bits of advice. Then they'll make the decision based on their advice in different ways or whatever, right? And, you know, I'm around this game so long now. And as I said, there's about 4,000 people have done the program. So I've been exposed to that number of companies other than the companies we're involved in ourselves, right? And often you'll see the same mistakes being made. And there's no need for it because, you know, we should avoid the common mistakes in business. Don't worry, there's lots of others that can be made, but we shouldn't all be falling into the same black hole. Yeah. We, you know, we identify some of those during the program and help people, uh, you know, to avoid those as best they can and maybe to kind of walk their way around it or whatever, you know. I, you mentioned football, and obviously being a Kerry man, it's, it's, it's second nature to you in that. But I, I had a football manager one time, and, and I'm not so sure if he made up the word or if this is the way he thought it should be said. But he'd be telling us about the matches, and yeah, lads, you have to show a, a bit of cleverality. But uh, <laughs> it stuck with. Is it often stuck with? Me? Dead, yeah, but he's dead right. You know that uh, the, you know, in a way, the aim should be that we get paid for our brains rather than our hands. Yeah, you'll never create wealth. Selling your hands, yeah. you have a chance of creating wealth if you're kind of street wise. That's where we do, we describe it down and carry right. Yeah. You know, can, can we be a little bit street? Do we understand how the game works a bit better? Yeah. Can we be, not be afraid to maybe play the game a little bit cuter if you want to call it call it that yeah. or whatever? Right? Yeah, um, you, you obviously football was a huge um, part of your younger life anyway. Um, you had a good line about it. It wasn't particularly about football, but it was um, about sort of having a. You, you you would have a more successful journey if you build in a balance between personal and business. And I'm sure that's something that you see all the time with businesses. Like, okay, I'm involved in different things, and sometimes I feel I take on too much. But then there's some of the things I take on that I feel uh, loosen me up to be better in other areas. I'm not sure if I'm explaining it well, but 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 that yeah. point you're making about having a balance is very important. I think it is, but also having kind of a balance around you, you know, um, because like we're the product of the 10 people that are around us, really. We, we take on the kind of the, the profile of the 10 most influential people around us, really. OK, uh, so where we are today, we are a product of two things. We're a product of the DNA we inherited from our parents, which we can do a fact all about. Uh, but we're also a product of the environment that we have come through. I mentioned that guy, Jimmy, earlier on. He would, he would have been part of that 10 in my case, right? And it's the same way, but in turn, we're, uh, we're an influencer on others along the way, right? 
So when I talk about, uh, you know, to be successful in business, it is important to have a counterbalance to that, whether it's football or hurling or whatever it might be, right? In order to give the body a chance and the mind in particular a chance to regenerate a small bit, you know? And um, business people, I think it's important to switch off uh, because if you're switched on 100% of the time, all the time or whatever, you know, we, we, we get brain dead as well, you know. That'd be one thing. The other thing I'm always encouraging people, business people to do is come from outside, from behind the counter and see what's happening out there. Yeah. You know, go to shows, come on programs, read books, whatever, right? Because there's a big wide world out there. And, you know, all any of us need is one trigger that might make a, a massive uh, impact on our commercial journey forward. Um, a, a couple of you, you, you spoke also about um, the footprint that you leave behind, and I suppose that's legacy and stuff. And I suppose you you, you work with some businesses that are at a later stage of their development, or they might yeah. even be second or third generational business. Like leaving a legacy behind for for some people is quite important. Yeah, but you know, again, we have to be careful about the our definition of legacy. You know, in rural Ireland, legacy was talk. It was about money, really, right? But I think the legacy we leave behind us is: have we been, uh, have we been to the advantage of others we've met along the way? That to me is the biggest legacy, right? Uh, okay, it will manifest itself uh, in a in a very narrow sense, maybe in relation to whatever wealth we want to create. But I think all of us, we have a bigger influence than we realize, and that influence hopefully it's for the better, is part of the legacy we leave behind. Like when I look at my own kind of journey, I am at the, the I don't know what phase, the, the, the fourth or fifth phase of my journey, right? And my mission at the, in life now is I want to be, I want to try and influence and help as many business people as I can uh, to achieve what they're capable of achieving and what they want to achieve. And, you know, to me, that's the legacy I'm leaving behind, hopefully. Yeah. You obviously really love teaching the courses, or is teaching the right word for it, but you, you, your, your energy uh, and enthusiasm uh, always comes across. Yeah, yeah teaching is, is the wrong word, really. Uh, facilitating, really. It's a discussion group, right? Yeah. Like, we've had people on the programme uh, uh, from that never went to school, and we have people on the programme that have done PhDs and that. And it ended up one is worse or better than the other. You don't, like, formal education per se is no barrier. Yeah. You know, so, like, one, one of the best business people are the 4,000 uh, companies that have done the program over the years, right? There has been about maybe 10 or 15 people that we have come across in that period of time who can read or write. And one of the best people, uh, best business people I know in this country can read or write. So, you know, very few people would know he can't read it, but by God, does he know how to run a business and make money? And I remember having him on the program uh, way back, and I was so taken by him, just phenomenal, you know. And he had a fantastic head, couldn't read it, right? just whatever, whatever, is, uh, whatever it is, but that doesn't stop him, I'll tell you. You know, another, another, yeah, we're running out also, of time. We also had some people on the program over the years, and there's one in particular comes into my head now, and he had two PhDs. Yeah. And useless. 